Howdy, and welcome to another Gamer Loop Radio episode. I'm your host, Neutron, and today I'm covering Luke Smith's three-part director's cut on Destiny 2. There is so much to go over as we prepare for Shadowkeep, so hold on tight to your ghost. In the first part of the director's cut, Luke Smith talked about the game itself and opened the veil behind how Destiny was built and the effects it had on the team. Bungie is making a lot of changes to Destiny 2, with Shadowkeep and New Light. Their vision for Destiny 2 is to be an amazing action MMO in a single evolving world that you can play anytime, anywhere with your friends. Luke Smith shared his thoughts on the last six months at Bungie working on Destiny 2. Bungie learned a lot with the transition to the annual pass. If you remember in Destiny 1, we got several standalone DLCs throughout the years, and they've been trying to move away from this approach and focus more on seasons. That's to bring players new content regularly and avoid those droughts. With the annual pass, Bungie was actually successful in Destiny 2. They gave us a roadmap, timelines, and they delivered. There was so much content, I am still trying to catch up. But the problem with the annual pass format was actually taking a toll on the developers. They were working from season to season at a pace that wasn't sustainable. But if you compare the Black Armory, Reckoning, and the Chalice, each have very different mechanics that lead to an unsustainable development cycle. They will need to standardize the way the mechanics progress to help keep their team healthier and bring us more content. And I get it. I compare this to my day job. You don't want your employees to burn out and deliver bad product. All good things take time and resources. In Destiny 2, we have a powerful sources problem. This is another topic that Luke Smith touched on. With each new season in Destiny 2, power level is increased and more activities are added each season. This providing players more avenues to chase these powerful engrams to keep rising to the new challenges and endgame activities. Well, the problem is that now we have too many that provide power, and it does feel like a chore. So Bungie will be doing a seasonal curation of the power balance in the game. Uh, this might mean removing some activities that provide power engrams or reducing the value of the sources. I won't lie, each week I will do the same super easy activities to get my power. I got my characters to 750. It took a bit longer doing it this way but it didn't feel satisfying. So this is something they're going to address going forward into Shadowkeep. In the following section, we'll go over some of Luke Smith's thoughts on the season of the Drifter. And before we get to that, I love Gambit. Bungie found a new way to mix PvE and PvP elements with this game mode. In the season of the Drifter, they introduced Gambit Prime. Faster matches, specialized armor sets to focus on certain roles, a different risk-reward mechanics to confuse the opposing team. Gambit Prime is excellent if you group up with a full fire team coordinating roles for each player, but the problem arises when you play with a group of randoms. That quickly breaks down, everyone's basically scrambling, doing whatever they want. But this actually turned me away from this mode. Bungie will be making the choice in the future between Prime and Classic. If Is it a combination of those two? We don't know yet. But only one mode will stay. I personally prefer Classic, but it could benefit from making the matches a little bit quicker. I don't want another objective that's going to tell me you need to do 10 Gambit matches, which equates to 3 hours. I'm not going to do that again. I'm looking at you, Solstice Gear. No. <laughs> uh, for the second part, uh, Season of the Drifter, uh, go over a little bit about the Reckoning. 
But before we do, Bungie has shared that they have an internal team codenamed Velveeta. And their only purpose is to find cheeses in each of the content. <laughs> this team actually helps them gauge the difficulty in new content. And Reckony has actually three tiers of difficulty. But in order to make it difficult, Bungie actually had to break their encounter design guidelines, such as enemies spawning behind players or snipers all over the place. This actually forced players to use specific gear in order to survive Reckoning. This is not what Bungie was trying to do. They, they want players to finish their activities, you know, with their favorite loadouts, with the ability to pick and choose whatever they want on their character. In the final section for the Season of the Drifter, Luke talks about the difficulty in the game and on future sandbox nerves. Destiny at its core is an action RPG shooter. In order to make an action game challenging, it needs a way for players to grow stronger. The game to rise up and push back by introducing new activities, new challenges that force the player to learn and adapt and master that new encounter. But the RPG aspect of the game is to customize, optimize your character and to overcome challenges. These go hand in hand, so the RPG element can actually overcome the action part of the game and vice versa. So this is always a fine line that Bungie will have to balance. Bungie introduced us and brought old favorite exotics that basically broke the game. For example, Whisper of the Worm, awesome quest to obtain this weapon. But you can just basically stand far away, keep shooting if you get those crit shots, unlimited ammo. So you would basically melt bosses. Even though it was time saving, uh, but it was not fun. <laughs> I think that's what they're trying to do. On top of that, Bungie made our supers more powerful. For example, the Void Tether on a Hunter, just equip Orpheus Rigs and you can instantly regenerate your super after tethering a handful of enemies. Makes the game too easy, right? It's almost like a cheese. This design is actually something the game can't keep up with. And at the end, Luke mentioned that in Shadowkeep, we are getting our precious scout rifles buffed. Soon, my baby, soon. And changes to ammo economy and changing how damage stacks. Next, we'll go over thoughts on Season of Opulence. In the Season of Opulence, Bungie introduced a new home for the Pursuits tab. And the Destiny community was heard loud and clear. They did not like it. So now we're getting a new Pursuits tab. And this time it actually looks good. Bungie admitted that they did not deliver with the changes with the original Pursuits tab. But honestly, it took an initial key press to open it. There was no way for, hot, for a hot key. It had filter options, but they didn't help me prioritize what I wanted to work on next. And coming in Shadowkeep, they're actually separating bounties and quests. And if you're on PC, assign a hotkey and take you directly to Pursuits tab. These quality of life changes are important for us. You don't want to waste time on having to find something in your inventory you know, or your Pursuits tab or what quests you want to work on next. It should be something easy, something you can transition smoothly through. And actually, the new UI image they shared looks way cleaner than that jumbled mess we had. So I'm looking forward to see what filter options they get in this iteration. Luke talks a little bit more about the evolving Eververse. And gamers have a strong opinion regarding microtransactions in any game. For me, as long as the items you can buy in-game are only cosmetic and are not pay-to-win that provides players an advantage, I'm okay with that. During Season of Opulence, Bungie rebranded their Eververse store to allow players a chance to buy any item that is listed in the store if they wanted. Is this might seem greedy to some, but microtransactions like the Whisper of the Worm ornaments were successful enough that it paid for the zero hour mission and its rewards. If microtransactions have the power to bring us this kind of content, I'm all in. 
With Shadowkeep, the Eververse store will be accessed through the Director, so you don't have to go to Tessin Tower anymore. The Eververse store will have universal ornaments, weapon ornaments, shaders, ships, sparrows, emotes, and finisher animations. But before you guys get upset, this is not saying that it won't drop from in-game activities, so I just want to make sure that's clear. Luke Smith's final thoughts in Season of Opulence are regarding the Menagerie. The Menagerie is a six-player matchmade activity that you progress no matter what. You learn the mechanics as you play the encounters, and you can actually craft what weapon or armor you want at the end of the run by using the chalice and the rune stones that you can collect from all activities in the game. And we want more of this. This is a great activity that is challenging and rewarding. Bungie wants to keep delivering experiences like this. If you remember in the Warmind DLC, they introduced escalation protocols, but the problem was actually finding players to matchmake. Maybe they can go back and work the EPs and, you know, introduce matchmaking to them. The rest of the director's cut will actually focus on Shadowkeep and the changes they are making this year, and they, that includes topics like supers in PvP and Destiny 2, armor, stats, mods, and trade-offs, powerful sources, prime engrams. Next, we'll go over part two of the director's cut. In part two, we will cover what's next for Destiny and Shadowkeep and beyond. In just a quick recap of what's happened in the last few months, Bungie is now a self-publisher and has full control of the creative direction for Destiny. New Light will be a free entry point for new Guardians starting October 1st. Destiny 2 will also be available on new platforms, Steam and Google Stadia. Destiny will become a single evolving world, plus there's a large amount of system changes as we head towards Shadowkeep. In this section, Luke Smith talks about adding depth and improving customization to the RPG side of the game. Bungie is refactoring in-game stats, they are overhauling the UI, and they started separating capabilities from aesthetics, aka Armor 2.0. What they really mean by refactoring in-game stats is they're, they're reintroducing intellect, discipline, and strength. These were Armor stats from Destiny 1. And this is on top of our current mobility, resilience, and recovery stats. Each stat will have a tiered meter maxing at 100 points, with easy-to-read breakdown of the ability cooldowns you get with each of the stats. They are also introducing Armor 2.0. This was actually covered more in depth during one of Bungie's live streams on August 14th. But in summary, Armor has an energy meter ranging from 1 to 10. You can use materials and currency to level up the energy value on a given piece of armor. Mods have both an energy cost and elemental affinity, and in order for a mod to be equipped, your armor needs to have rolled the correct element and have enough energy available. And when you acquire a mod from the game, it's an unlock that you can put on all armor, kind of like shaders. So once you unlock it, you can put it on anything. You can now equip whatever armor you love and include the mods or perks that you want based on the playstyle and activity that you're doing. I am already eyeing a build to mate racking the ultimate weapon. <laughs> Just kidding, that gun sucks. <laughs> Armor will still have RNG associated with them, but they will be limited. They're limited to elemental affinity, rolls between solar arc and void, armor starting energy value that can be leveled up to 10, and random stat rolls which include intellect, discipline, strength, mobility, resilience, and recovery. When Shadowkeep goes live, all legacy armor will have the new stat breakdown and you will be able to see the cooldown timers on them. Some of you might be worried that your old armor might be worthless, but that's not the case. You might have a perfectly rolled build already that you want to keep. You can do that or decide on Hunty for a new armor 2.0 set of the same armor piece. I'm actually going to trash everything and just focus on armor 2.0 builds to be honest. I'm going to start fresh and just cleanse my inventory. In the next section, Luke Smith talks about the pursuit of power and the increasing player agency. Like it was mentioned in part 1 of the director's cut, the number of powerful sources in Destiny 2 
increased during the annual pass, and Bungie wants to curate down the number of sources in Shadowkeep, uh, similar to levels that you saw in Forsaken when it launched. Prime Engrams are changing, they will begin dropping once you hit 900 power level, but you will be accumulating charges for them as you level your way from 750, so that means you will get a bunch once you hit 900, and they are increasing the number of Prime Engrams you can obtain in a week, and rebalancing how much power you get from each. World drops are surprisingly getting a makeover as well. Currently they feel like a waste. They always drop lower than your current level, but in Shadowkeep they will have a chance to drop at the player's current power level. So for example, say my Guardian is at power level 912, my gloves are 906, a legendary Engram can drop gloves at 912. So it's less of a pain. <laughs> and with the introduction of new light, they're bringing so many new players to the game. But Bungie doesn't want to lock them down and force them to play hours for them to catch up and enjoy the content in Shadowkeep, or with veteran players. So everyone's gonna get a boost in the fall to 750 power. That includes returning and new players. Everything in your inventory and vault will be raised to 750, so do not waste your precious currency right now to infuse weapons, unless you need to, right? Unless you need to. In Shadowkeep, Bungie is trying new ways for the power grind. First, they are introducing seasonal artifacts, that are unique and thematic to each season. As you level up, the artifact can unlock and equip artifact mods to experiment in your builds. Second, the season artifact can award players a power bonus, but that bonus is not applied to gear, but instead to all of your characters, effectively pushing you past the max gear power level of 960. And the only way to get past power level 950 is to complete pinnacle activities, such as raids, but not limited to them. You will hear probably more of which, which new activities in Shadowkeep can get you past that 950 power level. And finally, we'll go over part 3 of the director's cut. To finish things off, we will review the changes to combat in Destiny 2. This is where the action game and RPG collide, and Bungie's visions of a single evolving world. Destiny 2 was built with different goals compared to its much improved version today, and players are now reaching the 999-999 damage problem. The values listed on the screen cap at this value. If they keep going forward with this design in Shadowkeep, they will actually grow exponentially. Bungie will be retooling the inflation for damage. They're changing the UI display. For example, instead of maybe showing 100,000, it might just say 100k. I don't know if this is exact, exactly what they're going to do. But this doesn't mean that our damage output is being nerfed. Rather, it's just being refactored. If you remember, while playing the game, there was an area with enemies that you couldn't damage at all. That, that meant that your current power level was below the immunity wall. If you were 50 power levels below the enemy, you can't do anything. In Shadowkeep, they are actually increasing that value to be 100, which means this will allow players to take on greater challenges. Damage stacking is currently multiplicative. You can stack a Tether, Hammer Strike, Empowering Rift, Orwell of Radiance, and Tractor Cannon to do insane damage and meld bosses away. In Shadowkeep, all weapon damage buffs are being recalculated and now only the highest buff out of them will be in play and apply to Guardians. For example, if you are under the damage effect of something stronger than Well of Radiance, you will still receive the healing effect from the Well, but the damage bonus would only come from the other buff. Bungie is also changing how debuffs work by looking at their effect and duration such as Hammer Strike, Shattering Strike, Tractor Canning, and Shadow Shot. In general, only one ability buff can be active on a player at a given time, and enemies can be affected by only one debuff at a time. The exotics and weapon amplification perks, kill, clip, rampage, etc. These will remain multiplicative. Supers have gone out of control in Destiny 2. You can equip full stack of super mods and gain your super under 2 minutes in PvP. With the addition of roaming supers in game, an Arc Titan can kill you twice with the same super. 
Previously, Luke mentioned in the live stream that they are actually lowering the roaming super damage resistance, which will allow players defending against it a chance to stand and fight instead of fleeing at the mere sound of an enemy super activation. On top of that, players can currently increase the rate that they get their supers back by picking up orbs generated from masterwork guns. Bungie will reduce the effectiveness of the orbs and reducing the super energy gained from kills and assists. No more freaking super extending arc titans. Thank you, Luke. Bungie is also making some changes to how heavy ammo works in Destiny 2. Right now, it's only one person can grab it. Well, things are going back to Destiny 2. Kind of. Where a team can share that heavy ammo brick. But they are also reducing the amount of ammo per brick. When a player opens the heavy crate, other players have a window of time to interact and get their own heavy ammo. Throughout the seasons, Bungie has done small updates to PvP. They introduced pinnacle PvP weapons, a new ranking system in the Crucible, and returned the game to its 6v6 roots instead of that 4v4 nonsense. There hasn't been any new permanent game modes in a while, and Trials of the Nine is not coming back. Or is it? Bungie admitted that Trials of the Nine was not the sequel they wanted compared to the mode in Destiny 1. Some of the gear was pretty potent, but the theme felt weaker, the Trials card was less important, and the stakes felt lower. Trials of the Nine didn't work. But here's the kicker. In the post from Luke Smith, he said, quote, And Trials of the Nine, italicized, is on hiatus indefinitely. The word Nine was italicized, which folks on Reddit are speculating that Trials of Osiris might be coming back. Let's see what happens when Shadowkeep launches in October 1st. The reason Bungie was so quiet about PvP changes is because, frankly, they were actively trying to get everything else right. A new free entry point, new light, and Shadowkeep content. But PvP is in need of some quality of life improvements and restructuring. And this fall, Bungie will be making a significant change to PvP. They are removing the Quick Play and Competitive nodes from the Director. If you're actually looking for something similar to Quick Play, they're adding Classic Mix. This is a connection based playlist, kind of like Quick Play, and Classic Mix will include Control, Clash, and Supremacy modes. Competitive is replaced by 3v3 Survival. This is actually going to award you glory points. They're also adding a Survival Solo playlist that would also award glory pray to RNG Jesus as I read this I had flashbacks of going against a stacked up team in comp thank you there will be a separate 6v6 control playlist so it will be the base and entry level crucible mode for new players they're also adding a weekly 6v6 and a 4v4 rotator playlist this will include the most like class supremacy mayhem lockdown and countdown and they're also removing underperforming maps for matchmaking and on top of all of that, they're currently working on four variants of 3v3 elimination in Crucible Labs. However, there can only be one. Bungie expects it to graduate out of labs and find a warmer home. Folks way smarter than me are speculating that this warmer home is might mean Mercury. Trials of Osiris, baby. They're also bringing back old favors from the Crucible. Widow's Court and Twilight Gap will be available while we test elimination in Crucible Labs. There will be some changes to matchmaking for PvP. They will be separating PvP veterans from the new light crowd so you don't see back-to-back -back stompings. The 6v6 classic mix will remain as a connection-based matchmaking just like Quick Play today, but now they will introduce skill matchmaking to ensure a wider variety of matches regardless of player skill. They're also making quality of life changes to glory, valor, and infamy to make losses less punishing and the value you gain based on skill. The next section of part 3 Luke talks about an evolving world. Bungie's vision for Destiny is to become a dynamic world, where the world changes each season. They want to continuously push the narrative so the story being told is impacted by our actions in each season. 
This is what Bungie will be doing at the start of Season 8. Each season will culminate in an event that resolves what is introduced in Season 8 and sets up the next season. If you remember, Year 2 of the Annual Pass added new activities and stories, but the storylines felt disjointed. Well, the fact is that Bungie had help from supporting dev studios at the time, and everything was being worked on in parallel. It was possibly too late to implement some of the successes from each season, or the lessons learned. This three-part director's cut was no easy feat. But Luke Smith did say that he could probably write another 10,000 words about this game. This is his ninth year working on Destiny. If this doesn't show the passion and love he and the rest of the team have for this game, I don't know what else you want from them. Personally, this has been a journey playing Destiny. I've been playing Destiny since day one on the beta on the PS4. So many memories, so many new friends, overcome so many challenges. So here in the next few weeks, there'll be a special episode as we prepare for Shadowkeep. We would like to thank you for listening to this episode of Gamer Loop Radio. If you would like to reach out to us, you can do so by following us on Twitter at GamerLoop Radio or send us an email at GamerLoopRadio at gmail.com. You can find additional episodes of Gamer Loop Radio on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. Thank you for listening to our podcast.